The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits out there who live beyond just having good ideas or or good intentions by following through and not allowing the external world of change or rearranging to affect the very dream maker that you have inside of you. Well, this is the day I assure you that you want to uh, change your plans uh, so you can be available for the next hour. You want to get out a, a pencil and a sheet of paper because I will tell you that people have asked me in my own life, you know, who have been the people that have impacted you the most. Um, and I say very clearly to those uh, that are interested, um, it would be uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Gandhi, uh, Mother Teresa, now St. Teresa. And as far as this dimension and this time and living would be the one and only Sandra Ingerman. She is a mover and a shaker. She has brought to this world, bringing us back to the indigenous, to the Native American, to the practices of ceremony and to the earth that connect us. I find it so refreshing that we have a leading edge human being walking this earth that says sacred is a connection to nature and nature is a connection to yourself. Oh, Sandra, I just made that up. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that's beautiful. I love that. that. (laughs) It just just flowed out. Well, I just remember it as the other day that when I had your book, Soul Retrieval, placed in my lap, my life was changed forever. And that is a big deal. You know, that is one thing to say. I loved your book. Uh, I, you know, it had so many chapters and there was a couple of exercises in there. But when you can say to another human being, it literally changed the entire course of my life. Um, it's just a big deal. And I know mm. that I am not a standalone, that there are uh, hundreds of thousands and millions in your case with the 12 books that that you have written. Today we're talking about your new book, The Book of Ceremony, Shamanic Wisdom for Invoking the Sacred in Everyday Life. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thank you, Temple. And, you know, it's interesting because um, shamanism is really about working with energy. And I think that what really impacts people is not the words that go along with shamanism or anything that I wrote in Soul Retrieval or the Book of Ceremony, but it's really about how we respond to the energetic truths that go along with the practice of shamanism, I think, is so touching for people and is so exciting in the times that we're living in. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, that it's a it really shows the awakening of consciousness, right? I mean, we use language about 
we're waking up or we have an aha moment or those kind of things. But that's what I found with the reading of your work is that you have these awarenesses of, um, in some ways that in society and culture, we've been duped, you know, to believe certain things about what is normal or what is natural, or by the time you're a certain age, just expect it. To, well, what do you mean? I mean, that happens to everybody. What do you expect? You're 60 now, whatever. Right. right. And then, <laughs> and then here comes your work. That's, you know, like a spiritual bulldozer, but with a very soft and loving approach that says, this isn't true. This doesn't have to be true because <laughs> these events that happen in your life can actually shape shift you to such a more profound and greater reality to more energy in your body and Absolutely. your life. Yeah, I mean, you said that in a very, very beautiful way. And um, people are starting to wake up, and they're starting to realize, I think it's it's beautiful, um, how connected we are to everything. And, and again, that's beyond words. They're actually starting to get that sensation. And that's what opens up the prison doors, because our mind kind of puts us in the prison because we soak in all the information from our authority figures and from the media, and we start to define ourselves in ways that we're told um, this is who you are. And this is a time um, where people need to go to a deeper place, and it's not our mind that frees us in a lot of ways. It's tapping into the power of spirit that allows us to really get on a cellular level, wow, that belief system I took in is actually not true. That's not me, and I'm opening up to the sacred part of me, to my soul's passion to listen. And people are starting to listen now, which is really beautiful. It really is. It it really is to see people that are coming back to some of the original ancient ideas that uh, have been embedded in, in, in our culture and in our world forever. Um, I want to just reiterate that this is a great opportunity within this hour for you to actually call in and and talk to Sandra. The number is 816 251 3555. We'd love to hear from you and we would love to include you in the flow that we are, we're having today. Well, I know that, you know, so many people now, um, founded and unfounded, give their opinions of the world. And I, I feel that, you know, it's, it's important that we're reminding people that the world that we're seeing, which is selective, on the 24-7 news is not a, a true uh, overview of, of the world at large. It's it's more the things that drive advertising and things like that. Um, you are made the statement of, well, you know, there's great things going on um, and there's new people involved in waking up. Now, what is your experience right now? of these, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago that you were on the show. And obviously we've had some learning curves. <laughs> we can just say that. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> 
I, I was very much looking forward to hearing your wisdom and how you settle in with all of this. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, I'm a person who loves to make connections, and so I'm always kind of searching on the web. What are people talking about in shamanism? What are the controversies? What are the questions? What are what are the needs? And so it's been very interesting for me to follow the flow of over the years and from our last interview in that shamanism and ceremonial work actually teaches us how to live life. And that's what people are starting to wake up to. And in some ways, in our uh, culture, in the huge, incredible resurgence of shamanism that happened in the modern-day world, it's almost like people started to jump in too quickly to start to look at what are the advanced healing methods, what are the advanced ceremonies before they learned the foundational principles that go along with the practice of shamanism and performing ceremonial work. And so now what I'm seeing is that next generation of people who are getting interested, they're actually not ready to go too deep in they're doing the work in a really beautiful way. They're taking it step by step and learning and are interested in some of the foundational teachings before they jump in too deeply. And so I'm one of those step-by-step people, and I think that when we start with building a really good, invisible foundation of a strong spiritual practice, Everything else grows from there effortlessly. You don't even have to try and learn too much. All the wisdom comes to you. So I'm actually seeing in a lot of ways um, people are stepping into the work in a very intelligent way right now. Well, that's very um, uh, encouraging, you know, to hear. And I want to emphasize that while we're in this conversation, that all of you listening, either currently or later, uh, on our radio show, you can go to Sandra Ingerman, I-N-G-E-R-M-A-N, dot com, and you can certainly learn more about her, the various programs that she offers, and and the books. And I would really recommend that if you are uh, being called to uh, shamanic work, that this is the place where you start because that's where you get the core values. I know that, um, uh, Sandra, that in many ways, and we also touched base about this uh, before when you were on the show, uh, I feel like you, probably because I have drawn so much from your work, is that the correct languaging for people is that when they study, when they process, when they move forward, when they ground into the depth of this work and they go through certain steps, they are shamanic practitioners, not shamans. And that's been one of the things that has been um, at moments um, interesting and challenging for me is that uh, when you study this type of stuff for years and years and years, and then people go to one weekend workshop and they say that they are um, a a shaman. Um, I understand it's consciousness and consciousness kind of takes care of that. 
But on the other hand, um, it it has a way of distraction or it becomes a marketing tool versus uh, the experience. And I, I know that I was so glad to hear you say that last time um, that there is a big distinction between the two. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting um, because I did talk about this last time, and I'll just bring in another element and spiral around um, to where we were. I've been working with, in shamanism, we work with these beautiful, compassionate spirits that come through that are divine beings and and bring us wisdom and healing. And um, recently I met these really ancient ones, you know, I'm talking before human history, God knows how many millions of years old they are, and they're giving me a whole different sense of timing, and and that's, I think, one of the big issues that's happening in our culture right now is we have, we mark time in the modern-day culture in such a limited way, you know, calendars and watching the clock and looking at our devices instead of looking at what the sun is doing and the phases are are, happen, are happening. And so in shamanic cultures where they did honor time like the ancient ones do of realizing that there's a vast timeline of how old the universe is and the earth is 4.6 billion years old. And so when we look at people who are taking a weekend workshop and calling themselves a shaman, the reason I'm bringing up the span of time is you have to get that sense inside of your body that in a tradition that actually dates back over 100,000 years, what do you get out of a weekend workshop that allows you to feel that you have that level of mastery, you know, of that you're carrying the wisdom of uh, ancient traditions that have been around for over 100,000 years. And so I, I basically have gotten to the point of asking people that we need to look at how we're approaching shamanic work and ceremonial work because um, – we need to bring more honor into the work, and one way to honor the work is to realize how long um, this process of being sculpted into a being that um, can be the intermediary between the realms like was done in shamanic cultures, there's a long cooking time <laughs> before that happens. It doesn't happen for anybody in a short period of time. I've never heard of a shaman who didn't take um, most of their life to get in touch with their shamanic gifts. I love that. And I that is uh, profoundly just resonates in in how it is and 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 I think that's also reflects our culture, right? I mean, the deeper part of that is uh, there aren't any shortcuts. And you live long enough to being uh, really happy that there weren't any. <laughs> right, exactly. And, like, and I'm you, so glad that I was not out doing that back then. <laughs> right. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, I wanted to, um, to ask you with your work in your, uh, workshops and your programs, because we, we got a lot of, of this now and people asking about it. And I recently went to a place and it was really big with what they were doing. And I declined, uh, being sober for 31 years and also believing I don't need anything else, um, to go to the underworld or to, to non-ordinary realities. Um, what is your take on, um, ayahuasca and plant medicine? Well, you know, plant medicines, um, definitely had a use in, in shamanic cultures in that, um, the plant itself carried an actual medicine and the shaman was taught by the plant the songs that needed to be sung, the chants that needed to be sung to honor the medicine and release the medicine in a very sacred way um, to create a lot of the healing results and a lot of the insights that people get. And so, again, we have to go back at looking at the traditions that use ayahuasca. We're going back thousands of years, you know, so again, a vaster uh, perception of time of how long it took these people to learn about working with the medicine of this plant. And so today people are searching for a way to get healing or to get insights. And for some people, I do believe that ayahuasca and plant medicine helps to open up a particular doorway. Where I've noticed the problem comes in is when you think you now can only open that doorway if you use the plant. And so there's a dependency that starts to come in instead of understanding it's your connection with spirit. It's not the plant. The plant opened up a doorway, um, but now that the doorway's open, you have to walk the path without the plant. And then the other issue that's happening today is, you know, I started talking about ayahuasca and how it was honored for the thousands of years that it was being used as very potent medicine for people in cultures. And now due to marketing, um, people are just taking the plant and bringing it places. And no, and you really have to, to really honor the medicine and to honor your body and to honor your spirit. You need to do a diet. You need to work with a person who can help to introduce you into the field of this powerful medicine. So again, where you know the marketing is getting people in into trouble because it was it is an actual true spiritual path but it's not being worked with in that way by a lot of people i mean there are shamans and healing centers down in south america that are working in the old ways but um with all the marketing going on um this ancient tradition is not being honored and then people get into trouble when you don't honor the spirit of something 
uh, trouble ensues. The other part of of that is that you know my my teacher um, always said to me that it, it it's one thing to show a way of opening the way and for people to be open, you know, so so they can have this aha journey, profound experience, but yet there's so much integration that happens after, right? And right. and so it's like for them to have support or to have a mm-hmm. space to go, uh, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal, you know, um, yes. because it's a, when they are able to see new insight and things like that, it's like most people don't automatically just put on a brand new outfit and go, okay, you know, here I am new me done with that. It's a, it's a pretty big thing. As far yeah. as the settling period and the things that occur, and many people go through uh, a year or two of uh, various sickness in their body because they're ridding themselves of toxins or shadow stuff, and it's it's more complex than you know uh, a weekend or a week journey, and we send you back and you found yourself, and now you're okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that um, I I actually wrote something yesterday on Facebook, and I don't post that much, but um, I had a a very interesting uh, journey about um, slowing down and this whole issue of time and what you just shared about people really needing amazing amount of time to integrate an experience like that because it it sculpts you into a completely different person. And what I would like to add to what you said, Temple, it's not just about putting on, um, you know, going out and putting on a new set of clothes and saying I'm different. But in those cultures that work with ayahuasca and work with any kind of ceremonial work that creates an initiation and changes us, is um, the community needs to recognize that you now have insights and new awareness and strengths that now contribute to us being able to survive. And to add to that, what I wrote yesterday was I had this incredible experience while I was drinking my morning tea, and that's a real journey time for me. And um, I could actually see how a few years ago when I was going through a challenge and I asked some people to journey for me, I'm still processing those journeys inside my body. So I got to see the timeline of how slowly my body integrates some of these really big messages, the energy that comes, the energy that comes through ayahuasca or some of these um, big ceremonial uh, work that people do and medicines that people take, it does take years to integrate. Um, And again, we have, we just have a very skewed sense of time in our culture. And we don't realize how much time it takes to process. And I saw yesterday how so much of the anxiety that we're facing right now is that people can't 
can't process all the information that we're taking in and that we really do need to slow down. And that means with our spiritual practices, too, you know, not pushing so hard and I need another insight, I need another big uh, medicine experience. Um, You know, work with what's right in front of your eyes, the simple things, because that is what we need right now to establish a sense of stability because we're in a destabilizing time. Absolutely. So, so powerfully said we are just, we're on information overload, (laughs) overload and overwhelm and, um, and can be so easily, uh, can be to a deeper level of vulnerability as well. And that's why your ceremonies and processes are so, uh, there isn't a a better time, you know, for this book to be available so that people can use them for their everyday practices. And then for the bigger things like transition and, and losing and saying goodbye and, you know, all of those different, different layers, um, I'm just so glad I, it's, the timing is perfect for us to be talking about the book of ceremony. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I bring together my sacred herbs and I state my intention and I honor, you know, the helping spirits and the earth and the wind and the water and the fire and the ancestors who want to see me be happy and healthy and feeling the support of the spirit of the land where I live. And what happens to me is that feeling of smallness, you know, I'm too small, I'm too powerless. Um, All of a sudden, I'm stepping into a field of these energies that are so solid and have been here since the beginning of time, and we're working together in partnership to call in the goodness of life for all of life on the earth, and that brings a sense of stability and groundedness and solidity. Absolutely. Well, we have more that awaits you, so please stay with us, and we'll be right back and go to SandraIngerman.com. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes 
but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, oh, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Grief can bring you down, but it doesn't have to take over your life. From Grieving to Believing is a transformational weekend taking place November 16th to the 18th at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health. Join grief expert David Kessler, spiritual medium Maureen Hancock, and Paul Denniston, the creator of Grief Yoga in the beautiful Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. This unique event will take you into deep soul healing, addressing body, mind, and spirit. Reserve your space today at kripalu.org. Search Grieving to Believing. Look who's making a difference in the world. It's the New Thought Walden Award honorees. Profiled in Unity Magazine, the September-October edition, Unity has joined with its New Thought partners to honor 27 leaders serving in the areas of spirituality, healing, interfaith understanding, caring for the earth, and social activism. These are people you need to know about. Pick up Unity Magazine or go online to waldenawards.com. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone. And I told you this would be the day that you're going to feel the energy stirred up on the planet. We already have two callers waiting in. So we'll go ahead and address that right now, calling to talk to Sandra Ingerman. Uh, Megan, welcome to our show. So glad that you're here. Thank you for holding on. So great to hear your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Great to great to hear yours. You're live on the air and um and Sandra is right here waiting. So what a great day. Hi, Hi Megan. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say um, Temple was my minister for a bunch of years when I was living in St. Pete. And um, so it's wonderful to connect a little bit now. I'm, I've been out of the area for a few years. And um, I was, um, I, I, um, I hope that it's, okay that this is a little bit more on the soul retrieval book um but i it's um i I, my own personal spiritual background is um really um i guess the place where i have always the most immediately and deeply connected to spirit has been in nature 
um, probably since I was very small, as far as I know. And, um, you know, when I started my own spiritual journey, I was drawn to Native American spirituality first. And then as I discovered that there was a, you know, pre-Christian or centered spirituality that my own sort of European ancestors would have been part of, I was very much and you know drawn to that as well um so i i love this topic and thank you for um for sharing about your your new book also um and it's it's really <laughs> unsurprisingly probably synchronistic because um i in, in sort of met up with or whatever encountered a, a a woman on facebook recently who uh does soul retrieval sessions and um would love to kind of find out more about it and look into it. Because I remember coming across Soul Retrieval back in the early 90s through a Mm. a goddess um, type of store that I knew about. And would that have been based on your original work, Sandra, the Soul Retrieval book? Well, it might have. I mean, I wrote um, Soul Retrieval, Mending the Fragment itself, and I think it was published in 1991. Um, I started writing articles on it in the late 1980s. So it was out there in Shaman's Drum and other media that was around back then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful work, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I just... Have you know have looked pretty much on a very surface level into it, but mm. um, you know when I was doing a little reading, it just um, it sounds like uh, it's something that could be extremely um, yeah sort of a deep spiritual hope helpful. hopeful and helpful thing in yeah. my life. I was reading about sort of trauma and sort of dissociated aspects of the self and you know I've worked for many years on that kind of thing with my you know on on my own and in you know spiritually psychologically you know coming from it from as many different angles as I can Um, but so would I be uh, I, I guess I don't even. I don't even. This is a silly question, well, but obviously. Here, let me let me step in, okay, Megan? Yes, um, please do. <laughs> I have a I have a, a wonderful website uh, called shamanicteachers.com, and um, if you can't remember that, my website Sandra Ingerman will link to it. And not only do I have the practitioners who I've trained and trust, and they've sent me lots of case studies, and I trust them, but I also have a write-up on there on how to find a good soul retrieval practitioner. And so you might want to look at the resources on there, um, because a lot of your questions, I think, can get answered just by checking out that site and seeing some of the resources that I wrote up on soul retrieval, I think will help you. Thank you. I definitely will. And you, and you said shamanicteachers.com, yeah. was it? Yeah, shamanicteachers. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and let me know, yeah. Megan, how it's going, and I'll I'll make sure to get that back to, to Sandra, okay? Okay. So we, we you bless so you on your journey, and, and thank you for yeah. giving the gift of uh, you calling in today. 
Thanks, Megan. Thanks. Bye. All right. And now we want to welcome Robert. Robert to the air. Hi, Robert. How Hi. are you? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you're welcome. I've been following Sandra for a couple of years now. Hi, yeah, Robert. Sandra Ingerman is someone to follow. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to be followers, she would be the one. Hi, Robert. I would, I would agree with that. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. So my question is, since our culture has no traditional shamanic path, how would one choose a particular shamanic tradition to follow? Well, I think that for me what happened is I was really lucky in that I I always had um, a spiritual foundation. I just didn't have uh, an actual practice to follow, but I was a spiritual person my whole entire life. And then in 1980, I had the wonderful experience to um, step into the process of shamanic journeying. And shamanic journeying is, um, it's a ceremony, and it's a ceremony that was practiced in every single shamanic culture around the world. They all practiced it a little differently, but it was practiced in every culture. And the beauty of shamanic journeying, and Robert, I know you know all this, I'm just reiterating um, to help you move forward with your question, um, is that shamanic journeying is a practice of direct revelation. And so when you start to work with the helping spirits, then they start to guide you on your path. And so um, one of the things that I've been trying to share recently is that when we work with helping spirits and shamanism, we're actually carrying their energy that's a traditional shamanic point of view. You're carrying the energy of your helping spirits. And so once you step into that ancient field of these divine beings and you're carrying their energy, you can only imagine that the the cellular information that you get, the auditorial guidance that you get, their clairvoyance that you start to open up to leads you into the path. Um, and that's how it worked for me. I've been practicing shamanism for 35 years, but I, I didn't have a tradition to step into. I didn't have elders in my life. I only had my own spiritual experiences um, to guide me. And obviously, I learned from some very important things from uh, very special people who entered into my life. But like soul retrieval, which helped so many people on the planet, that whole process that I wrote in my book came through my journeys. Um, so there's there's the positive. There's definitely the positive of finding a lineage that attracts you, whether it's... Um, 
from South America or uh, Central America or the African tradition or, or more European, the Celtic tradition. There's shamanism in Judaism. So it's kind of where do you want to research and see where you might find an elder who can initiate you into an old way. And the other choice, which I took, and it just was a natural choice for me because I didn't have other choices to take, was to uh, work so deeply with my own helping spirits that they taught me what I needed. And they taught me how to work with people. They taught me what to how to perform ceremonies. They taught me what ceremonies to do for what and uh, for what purpose. And that was how my practice evolved, so there's different ways of um, entering into the practice. Does that make sense? Oh, totally makes sense. Now, do you, do you find that the practice uh, evolves to modern day from what you learned from the old traditions? Does oh. it change? Yeah, no, definitely it's changed. Um, and shamanism has to change because the practice of shamanism really is over 100,000 years old, and it was gifted to humankind by the spirits to help them survive. So when the helping spirits volunteer their help, they're, they're offering help for the timeline that the people are living in, the culture that they're living in, and the challenges that they're dealing with so that they can give them the ceremonies to um, transmute and transform and turn around uh, what's happening. So you can only imagine that shamanism would not still have any power if it was practiced like it was um, a thousand years ago from a particular culture, or even, you can't even, I can't translate a lot of the um, ways of working that are uh, done by shamans and cultures today because they don't, they don't fit into our culture. You know, their they their chants, their songs, their ceremonies are for what the challenges that they're dealing with in present time. And so shamanism has always evolved and will continue to evolve to meet the needs of the people and and it's been doing a good job at that. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, people have to understand this is a lifelong practice and people want to engage in a practice where it's like a magic pill. I'm one of those people. I would like to just do one ceremony and everything changes. It is a lifelong practice, and if you devote yourself to it, your practice evolves. My practice doesn't look anything like it did 35 years ago. Uh, the work evolves, and the impact it has on people evolves, because if you're doing something that's relevant to the needs of the people, it's going to have a lot more power than if you're copying a ceremony that worked in a culture for a particular reason, but it doesn't match the energy of what's happening um, 
in the culture that you're working with, so you can't bring in that ceremony and uh, imitate it because it, it's not going to have the same power. So that's the key of our times is learning how to trust ourselves and our own spiritual wisdom to bring through the ceremonies that are going to help us for where we are right now. And that's the challenge is to trust our creativity to be able to do that and to trust that we were born to be here at this time and have all the wisdom and knowledge that we need to navigate the waves that we're riding right now as long as we're willing to build up strong enough spiritual muscles to do so. So our... our so what I'm, I'm hearing, so our spirits become our elders, that since we're missing our elders in this culture? Would that well, be... they have for me. That's a really good way of saying that because I just didn't have elders. Um, so that's – I, I really did have to um, – completely depend on direct revelation for everything that I've learned, everything that I've brought through, every healing ceremony that I do for a client, every healing ceremony I do for myself and the planet. It's all taught to me by these amazing helping spirits who are just waiting um, for us to step into their fields so they can share with us beautiful energies that we can start um, bringing from the unseen realms into the seen realms and start to flood healing energies into the planet. So um, mm -hmm. I hope everybody will step up and and enter into the path the way it feels right to them. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Thanks. All right, Robert. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you for coming into our show. And, you know, again, go to, you said you've been uh, following Sandra for a couple of years, and that's a great path. And owning and energizing yourself of, of what is available for me, um, having been on this path since 1997, I felt like that was when I really started my great being born uh, I was born twice, uh, born into this, onto this earth, um, and then being born again to really understand my relationship with the earth. Thank heavens for, you know, the shamanic teachings. And that being said, um, the work that uh, Sandra offers and the various courses and everything um, is just, it's the one to follow. And... Um, so it was a delight to have you uh, today, and it, it expands you in your life. Um, so many people are operating on the five senses alone, and this opens up um, other senses that are available to you, and it's, uh, it's fun to be in the modern world and have uh, as much energy in your 60s than most people in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll, I'll Which, let me that. correct that, I just turned 60. Okay, so let's clarify. Exactly. It's a heck of a lot of fun. And for people to say, what do you do? What are you tapping into? What are you taking? You know, And you just smile really large and go, hey, it's all available to all of us. You know, so anyway, <laughs> your journey is exciting, and uh, we hold that for you, and thank you for calling in.
Thanks, Robert. Well, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. So, Sandra, uh, back to your incredible book. Um, I would love to just highlight that again as as part of our our last few minutes together. Um, <clears throat> the book of ceremony. Uh, you're you're having these children, you know, that are called books, and they <laughs> each and every one of them have deep meaning to you. Uh, what was the timing of the book of ceremony? Well. I, ceremony has really been the healing force in my life. Um, as I've shared on shows and in my books, I've suffered a terrible suicidal depression for a good part of my life. And I really healed myself with the practice of shamanism, but also performing ceremony. And then I've been doing a lot more online work and sharing ceremonies for blessing and birth, death, and marriage, and releasing our hurts, and honoring the changing seasons and the moon, and healing land and nature beings that have gone through devastation, and how to call in balance and harmony and success, and and bring in the goodness for all of life. And here's this body of information that's so many thousands of years old that my students are having remarkable, I mean, it's unbelievable what people are writing to me, um, not just about the outcomes of the ceremonies, but how it's changing people's lives of, of stepping into such a sacred field. They feel so different just by performing ceremonial work and turning their loved ones and their communities onto ceremonial work. And so... I couldn't I, I couldn't deny the power and and what a tool for the times that we live in and so I I sat down and and wrote um this beautiful book and it feels so good to me it um it's really an inspirited book um something big came through and I think it offers a lot for people to be able to uh, transform their personal lives, transform their communities, and to transform our planet. Well, I just, um, I was looking at the the prayer, the prayer tree ceremony. I, I love that. Can we can we talk about that one? Yeah, absolutely. I I was introduced a really long time ago to the practice of in um, Siberia and Central Asia of how trees are seen as the most sacred beings that exist on the planet because they bridge heaven and earth. And um, there's a practice in all through Central Asia where they'll ask a, a juniper tree to volunteer itself, and then they do ceremony for days, leaving foods and honoring the helping spirits and the ancestors. And then ribbons are used to tie very loosely on the branches because the branches keep 
growing, so you know you don't want to choke the branch. And ribbons were tied on to um, for prayers for oneself, for the family, for the community. And so I started uh, sharing that, and one of my students actually created a prayer tree at a retreat center that we were meeting at over time. And so then students around the world, as I traveled through through Europe teaching and talking about prayer trees, people were saying, yeah, we have wishing trees in Turkey. We have, yeah, we have blessing trees in Italy. We have, and I started to see this is actually a cross-cultural practice of, so what I did at my house is I, I have a, I went up to a juniper tree and I said, are you willing to help me carry prayers for myself, my loved ones, and for the planet up into the universe? And it said yes, and I left it some offerings, and now I tie yarn uh, very loosely on the branches, and I have students who have uh, created prayer trees in parks and put instructions on how to tie the ribbons loosely on the branches and how to form their intention of a prayer. So it's just a beautiful way to um, bring the sacred into our life. It's a beautiful way to uh, take a moment out and with intention to blow a prayer into something and to place it lovingly on a tree that's volunteered to bring your prayer up to the forces of the universe to make it so. So it's a beautiful practice. I love that. That's something I'm going to implement here with our youth and um, some of our our ministers and our shamanic practitioners. I just love that. That is uh, beautiful. Well, one of the things, because I know that you, you know, have so many ceremonies in the book, and of course, one of those is transition, but back to the tree, that's something I've always enjoyed doing and encouraged others to do especially people with children when there's been a loss, a grandmother or a cousin or something, is to plant a, tea, a tree in their name. Mm. And, and, and because every time you see it, like I have uh, peace lilies from 2002 when my father died. And, uh, and I, I love having conversation, you know, like, Dad, you look like you could use a little water. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're in full bloom this year or whatever, you know. So it's, um, I love that kind of energetic presence. Um, and the, and the magic of trees is just so incredible. I had an experience in the underworld that I would always see this particular tree and it had a, it's had its own little personality or whatever. And, um, I was just so touched to tears when I was at Machu Picchu and uh, there was a group of us going, and we were with a, um, uh, a we were with a true shaman there. And um, when we came upon Machu Picchu, it's like there's that tree. That was a wild experience. <laughs> I think that is part yeah. of. And I, and I I'm I'm talking to the person that has magic and miracles happen every day, but I I, I love that part about the shamanic path is it's so I always say it's so beautiful you you can't make it up 
the synchronicities are are mind blowing, and you know, people when they step onto the shamanic path, the biggest question that they have is, "Am I making my journeys up?" And I always say, "Well, shamanism is a result-oriented system, so watch what happens in in your life, and you'll know that you're not making it up." But when you keep having stories like what you just shared, Temple, happen again and again, you go, "Wait a second, this is something's happening." here, you know, and um, it helps you to trust yourself and it helps you to trust the practice. That's beautiful. That's a great story. Well, I'm talking to the great storyteller and I received that and I, I thank you. It It's always just a pleasure to be um, in your energy field and it, it, to highlight what you just said. I mean, it, it's beyond words when you can be in this spirit life and you can just feel the presence and uh, the energy that is being exchanged. I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. And I would urge you uh, more than ever before that this is the time for you to take this interview today and pass it on on Twitter and Facebook and uh, social media and get people to offer them the opportunity. This would be a great opportunity for you to offer people to give them the awareness and that they can step into something greater than themselves, a place of infinity and wholeness. I'm Temple Hayes. Join me on templehayes.com or firstunity.org. Most importantly, get this book, The Book of Ceremony. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.